Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 312. And what that means is if you have the endurance, if you continue on your trajectory, so to speak, and work at whittling away on a piece of metal, that one day you will have the needle that you've been searching for. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Vu Gwynn. Vu, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am. All right. Great to have you here. Vu Gwynn is the National Director of the Porsche Club of America. The PCA puts on more than 3,000 events annually in 13 different zones that contain 144 regions, including the club's annual Porsche Parade. Vu joined the PCA in 2005 when the club had just over 52,000 members, and that number has swelled to over 71,000 today. And if you add in affiliates and family members, that number is up around 115,000 people. He and his executive council manage the PCA national office and oversee a vast number of programs and events for Porsche enthusiasts around the country. And did I mention his collection of over 400 118-scale model cars? Anyway, he is a true blue car guy. I've been a PCA member since I was in high school, so I'm talking to... uh, a guy from a club that I is near and dear to my heart today. So, Vu, I told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your career and your passion for automobiles? Absolutely, Mark. And you hit you hit the mark. I mean, it's all about passion. Uh, for me, it started as a child um, growing up around uh, performance vehicles. Uh, I think, uh, like much of the listeners, it's it's in our DNA. So growing up around these cars, working on these cars with my father, my uncles, my aunts, you know, I've I've always had a passion for all marks. And I've been fortunate enough to set a goal for myself to one day have a Porsche. And not only do I own a Porsche, but I turned my career and melded my hobby with my professional career life. And I landed myself a job at Porsche Club of America. Well, I love this whole story because you fit the mold for cars, yeah, I guess, exactly. And that is people who've taken their passion and figured out a way to wrap it into their vocation. So the idea of working with PCA at Porsche to me is like a dream job because I'm a Porsche fanatic too. So I think you've done exactly what most of the guests here on Cars, yeah, have done and what our listeners would love to do. So you fit that mold of inspiring automotive enthusiasts. And as we continue your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. It's some kind of a saying or a mantra that's been instrumental in forming your life, and it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? I know you love to drive, so Vu, take the wheel. Thanks. Well, interestingly enough, um, a saying or quote that has stuck with me all through my life has nothing to do with cars or with uh, the automotive industry but it, it's uh, it's a saying that my father used to share with me when we were working on projects or doing tasks around the house and if you'll allow me um, I'll say it in Vietnamese and then I'll translate for you and um, the saying goes 
And what that means is if you have the endurance, if you continue on your trajectory, so to speak, and work at whittling away on a piece of metal, that one day you will have the needle that you've been searching for. And so it's all about working hard, staying true to the path, the goal, and then one day you will get that that beautiful polished needle at the end of the project or at the end of the task. You know, I love that quote. It's a lot about the practice of Kaizen or sharpening the saw. Same type of philosophy of just working away, working away. How have you incorporated that quote, that mantra, into your business and your career and your life around your passion for Porsche cars? It really, it, you know, it, it's, a, it's a driving force for me for everything that I do from, you know, things that I do at work, things obviously, um, you know, the, the job that I have, it, it is a dream job to be able to work in the subject matter that you're passionate about. But certainly not every day is rainbows and unicorns. We have to work hard. And, and what I look for is towards the end of the task, you know, is it going to make PCA members proud? Is it what they want us to focus on? And um, will it be a uh, initiative that our members will, you know, share with others and say, you know, look at what my membership uh, into the Porsche Club America has has brought to me. So from the professional world, I use it all the time. And from, let's see, from personal, I mean, just just last night I was working on changing struts on the front of a of a BMW that I recently randomly got. And, um, you know, things weren't working out well, but I just persevered and took a step back and kept on going. And, you know, one strut took two hours and the other strut took 10 minutes. (laughs) Yes, I've been there and I've done that. I understand. You talked about growing up with a father that you worked on projects around the house. You were around performance cars, collector cars, fun cars. Would you share a moment with us that instigated your passion for cars. Tell us about that pivotal moment as you remember it in your life when you really knew you were a car guy. Well, I, I mean, as far as I can think back, I've always been a car kid or a car guy. Um, and, it, you know, both of my parents were very influential in that. Um, I'll, I'll start with my mom. You know, when she went shopping to keep me occupied, she allowed me to buy one Hot Wheels. And then as I got a little bit older, um, you know, my father, as I said, was into performance cars, but being a uh, first-generation, you know, immigrant, we had champagne taste, but beer budget, and so we had, I remember we, probably the first nice car that we had was a BMW 320i, and, um, you know, had the money enough to, to purchase the vehicle, but really to maintain it was what was going to be prohibitive for for my father or for my family so we learned to do everything ourselves we changed oil changed plugs and and oftentimes I was right next to my father either handing the wrenches or you know scooting underneath to uh, undo the oil pan I mean it's uh, it was just something that we did growing up well I love it and it's uh, very akin to what a lot of my guests talk about you know for me I'm a little older than you so it was matchbox cars Still have that very first Matchbox by Leslie. My dad bought me. Our listeners have heard this story many times, a little red Jaguar XKE. So I think it's pretty cool your mom would entice you to come shopping with her and buy you a new car. I'm sure you were constantly saying, let's go shopping, Mom. But uh, being out in the garage working on things is just a wonderful part of life. So you were very fortunate in that sense. What I'd love to do now, Vu, is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl into the hood and 
ask you to share a huge challenge or even better, a great failure that you faced along the way in your career. The most important part of this, though, has to do with how did you overcome that situation and what did you learn from it? Wow. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely been a long road. But for me, I've been quite fortunate in the sense that, you know, the people along my career path have taken to me in the sense that they've always wanted to show me the right way. And uh, I was always working in, um, or I started with nonprofits in college because as a, a marketing major and transportation logistics major, we were always taught to set ourselves apart from the crowd. Or if you were going to try to be successful with a product or service, you want a product or service that is, you know, a, a step above or, or, or different from everyone else. And so I started my nonprofit career, although it was was doing very well, it was nothing automotive related. I'll, I'll be honest with you, I was worried that I was going to get caught in that corporate wheel and be doing something every day that probably could put food on the table and be successful, but would it be something that I want to wake up every day and do? And so I was fortunate enough where I, I went looking for a um, – a job that had to do with transportation. At the time, I didn't even dream about possibly being related to automotive or being related to Porsche. I was just simply looking to be in the transportation industry because I like the wheels. I like the logistics, the industry. So I was very fortunate to land myself a job with regards to transportation. I landed a job with Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance, and what they do is they work with state and provincial law enforcement to regulate the safety aspects of commercial vehicles. And so I was quite happy that I kind of got into the transportation arena. Certainly not cars, certainly not Porsche, but I liked what I was doing. And so I've always been involved. Um, I think what nonprofits have, have taught me is you want to get involved with areas of interest that you have. And so with all of my cars, and especially when I was uh, able to reach my goal and buy my first Porsche, I got involved with PCA. And so my involvement with PCA then led to the fact that they were looking for someone to run their national headquarters, which is also a nonprofit. So that's where my hobby life and my career life collided. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say it was, you had asked earlier, you know, something difficult in the sense that uh, I had to overcome. It wasn't a fact that it was a difficulty, but it was more of, you know, how how I would set myself up for the rest of my life. Doing doing a job that I truly do love, wanting to wake up and get to work and not wanting to shut things down and go home early. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to find that job here at PCA. Well, your story is fantastic, and it's a great lesson for all those listeners out there that could be very successful in their careers right now. But again, it's not what they really love to do. They don't get out of bed every morning going, I get to go hang out with a bunch of car guys. I get to go be involved with events. I get to be part of this group of club members that are so passionate and so driven to use a pun to uh, want to surround themselves with their cars. So I think it's a great example and a great lesson for our listeners. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those career aha moments, a time when the headlights come on and they illuminated your way for a new idea or a new direction that you had. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Well, I think it's probably just a, a progression from the story that I just told you. I mean, I was perfectly content and probably could have retired 
from the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance, but when I saw the advertisement for an executive director position at PCA, there goes the light bulb. I said, what better opportunity could I have than to be doing what I was trained for, but the subject be ma- the subject matter be what I'm truly passionate about. And so, you know, I put my name in the hat and and I believe that same passion came through in my interview with them. And so when I, I landed the job at PCA and came to headquarters, probably one of the things that I'm proud about is, you know, when I came into the environment of PCA National Headquarters, it wasn't at all what it is today in the sense of when you walk through those doors today, you know you're at PCA headquarters and you can see, even if I'm not here, I think it's safe to say that you can see the passion is all over the walls. It's it's with our staff. It's in our magazine. Um, it's displayed everywhere. And I think that's what I'm most proud about because I know there are a lot of longtime PCA members we've the club's been around since 1955, and a good majority of those that started in the early years of PCA are still with us. We span over six generations of folks that are in PCA, but I think you know when they talk about PCA National Headquarters, talk about uh, what we've done in the past 10 years, you know, I'm pretty proud to, to be able to say that you know, I, I think I've taken it up a notch um, and represent PCA well. Oh, absolutely you do. As I mentioned, I joined the PCA when I was in high school. A friend of mine bought a 68 soft window Targa, and I helped him restore it in his garage, and that's we kind of joined together as buddies and been members ever since and been uh, somewhat active from time to time depending on what's going on in my life and on the time I have to do everything from track days to been to several parades and uh, what you guys are doing and as you've evolved the club definitely as a member looking inward you guys have done a really fantastic job it just keeps getting better and better and better thank you you're welcome let's talk about Prada's career business moments I'm sure you've had many but is there one in particular you could share with us that really stands out for you Oh gosh, there's there's so much that I'm proud about with PCA. You know, every every day I think about what I can do better for our members, what I can do better for the club. Again, just reshaping the customer service aspect of national headquarters. I think that we took to a whole new level and I'm very much proud of that. I'm very proud of my staff. You know, I I've been fortunate to be a part of the recent redesign of Porsche Panorama which I also am very proud about. That's, you know, Porsche Panorama has been been with us almost from the very beginning, our our monthly magazine, and it too has evolved over the years. But up until recently, there was no drastic changes to the format, to the content. And um, we, you know, we were at a juncture where we were ready to take it to the next level, so to speak. And, um, you know, the person that was at the helms of Porsche Panorama prior to the, the current editor did a fantastic job. And, um, you know, how could you improve on it? And that's that's a tall order. And for someone that had been in the position for over 40 years editing Porsche Panorama, I mean, again, it's it's one of those things where you hope that you don't have to think about how to how to bring someone new or, or change the recipe, so to speak, so that you can move on. We worked tirelessly with the executive council, with the current editor, 
to take a look at all the wonderful things that the magazine had evolved into and making sure that we preserved all of that while injecting a little bit of, you know, modernization, so to speak, um, maybe some different angles and you know again we don't we didn't know if this was going to work probably the biggest thing was this simple simply the size of the magazine we had a very unique size Porsche panorama uh, and we were moving from this unique size to a more industry standard which again was not going to automatically be a success there's there's no way for us to know that until we actually pulled the trigger to do it probably uh, you know I'm probably most proud of being a part of that we carefully went down the road, uh, looked at all of our options and made decisions. Some of the decisions uh, were not made um, based on popular vote. It was based on what we thought was best for the club. And today, uh, with you know what we have on the table, I think uh, we, sh- we should all be very, very, very proud. Well, you definitely should be. And I'll tell you, I worked for 11 years as a creative director in a graphic design and advertising firm before I joined the last company I was with for 20 years there. And there I was in charge of all the branding, marketing, merchandising. So I have a creative background, a a visual eye background, a marketing background. And Betty Jo Turner, who was your editor before when the publication was small, fantastic lady, as you said, did an absolutely magnificent job. Worked with her because we used to buy, the company I was with before, we used to buy a lot of advertising from Porsche Panorama. And, of course, Pete Stout, who's in there now, has done a magnificent job of really taking it, as you said, to a whole new look. And I'll tell you, when you guys introduced that new book, I saw a lot of the readers going, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? I don't like change. A lot of people don't like change. But your new book, bravo to everybody involved. You took a daring, huge step. It's so much nicer, so much better. And I would assume you're hearing from your readers now, even those who didn't like that change initially, they're getting used to it. They're enjoying it more. It's easier to read. It's more exciting. Bigger pictures, bolder. You guys, all of you should be really proud. From my humble opinion, you did a magnificent job. Thank you. That that means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to the team uh, that Pete Stout leads and, of course, our executive direct, uh, executive council um, that allowed us to, to make this change. It was, uh, it was a long road, and um, you know, to hear you say that, that means a lot. Well, thank you. I know what it's like because my previous job at Griot's Garage, I was in charge of many things, but one of them was producing a catalog. Every three weeks we mailed that book, and I know what it's like to publish something and have to meet deadlines and pull all sorts of things together, and uh, you guys did a fantastic job. Puts a big smile on my face every time it shows up in my mailbox. I can't wait to open it. I was enjoying Uh your latest version just the other day. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And if you could share a memory that you have with that vehicle. It's it's quite easy for me to share that memory because it still sits in my garage. <laughs> oh, cool. And uh, I have three three kids, uh, my, my oldest, my daughter. Um, I have uh, two, two younger boys. Um, and it, it's funny, my, my daughter considers herself as a middle child. And she considers herself as a middle child because of this 1992 Mustang uh, GT that's in my garage. And that's, uh, in their eyes, they think that's my first child. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell us a little bit about that car. And, you know, it's not a Porsche. So, of course, a couple of eyebrows just went up going, what? A Mustang? But tell us a little bit about why that car is so special. Yeah, I mean... uh, 
it's it's it was the first car that I was really able to do anything. I, I, I people that know me, grew up with me, always knew that anything that I got from my skateboard to my bicycle to my car, it never stayed stock. I always tinkered with it. And um, my first car was not the Mustang. And that, obviously, that's a that's a pretty big car to to be a, for your first car. Um, my first car was a Pontiac Fiero. And um, if you remember those, they looked fast, they looked sporty, but basically they were a Chevette. <laughs> and oh, so yeah. my my parents were, you know, I, I had saved enough money and went to uh, an auction with my father, and and uh, we were fortunate enough to to bring that car home, and that was my first car. But it wasn't really my first enthusiast car. Um, I I uh, had that car for a couple years, and then all of my buddies were into Mustangs because it was you know fairly affordable, and they were doing a lot of the quarter mile drag scene. But as I mentioned earlier, my my family were more into performance handling and more of the BMW, Mercedes, and Porsche side. So with with that background, my I decided to again because of the value uh, that the Mustang presents, I um I, I bought a Mustang GT in 1992 off the showroom floor. But I took my car in a different direction than my friends who were doing all the quarter mile stuff. I I went sort of the the saline route and did a lot of suspension work. I I still took their cues on you know all the the stuff that I saw that they were doing to make their their cars faster that was reliable, um, I did do a lot of that to my car. So it's uh, what it, what I ended up with is, was a Mustang that handled pretty well considering it's a Mustang uh, with a solid rear axle, but it's still a 12 second quarter mile car. And um, I also competed in car audio competitions. Uh, with it, so uh, I, I I won East Coast Nationals with a stereo system in it, and so it's just it's part of me. And and most people that know me just if they see that car, they know it's mine. I I was driving my my son to to uh, daycare about a year ago, and I had this random car follow me, and I didn't know if I may have accidentally cut them off or anything like that, but uh, they followed me all the way to my son's school, and um, this guy jumps out and goes, "Are you Vu?" <laughs> because I remember this car from University of Maryland, and when I went to school there, I remember seeing your car going up and down, and you know, thinking about someday I'd have that car. And turns out that that guy he wasn't driving it that day, but he ended up buying a 1993 Cobra later in life when he quote unquote made it because <laughs> of seeing my car, you know, during his college years. Yeah, so. very cool. So, I love so it. So that's the first car. That's the first car, and it, it may it may surprise a lot of listeners that I'm talking about a Mustang but you know what I what I say is I, I love all cars I just happen to have a probably a large passion for Porsche but my my first my first child so to speak is my my 92 Mustang very cool yeah I'm the same I always say if it rolls on rubber I probably like it so very cool is there a vehicle that you've sold that you really wish you could have back in your garage <laughs> um some people will say I'm like one box away from that show hoarders. <laughs> so oh, okay. most, most of the cars that I've had, I still have. You know, my first Porsche is an 87 Turbo Look, uh, which I think I've shared with you. You know, I still have that car and I enjoy it tremendously. As far as a car that went away, um, it's not it's not because it's spectacular. It's just because it was my first car. Is I really would love to have a 1986 Pontiac Fiero SE 2M4 again. Just just for the the sake of, it was my first car and and you know that car I also took apart and put back together and 
you know, lowered it. And so I know every bit of it. And it's, uh, yeah. it would just be cool to have your first car. That's all. Nothing yeah. special about the car itself. I understand. Is there a project you guys are working on right now there at the PCA that really has you guys excited and fired up? Oh, my gosh. We have so many projects. <laughs> um, the Porsche Parade, we just wrapped up in French Lake, Indiana, and uh, we brought over a 1,000 Porsches to French Lake and uh, their owners, and we just had a great, great event. And uh, so we're just coming down from, from that event, and we have Works Reunion, which is the Friday before uh, Monterey weekend. Yep. And we're scheduled to bring 700 Porsches to Rancho Cañada. And the best thing about our event there is it's open to spectators for free. And probably the best deals out there uh, for Friday, Monterey weekend. And then we, we move right into PCA's Escape, which is a long weekend, casual touring type of event. And we're going to be um, in the Black Hills, South Dakota. Check out Mount Rushmore in your Porsche. And shortly after that, Rensport Reunion. Yeah. A big event at yeah. uh, you know at Laguna Seca Mazda uh, Raceway. So man, that's uh, we've got a full agenda. We've got so much to do, and we've got some racing news that we'll share here shortly. That is also going to be very exciting. Very cool. Well, definitely, I'll see you down at Works. I'll be there, but I'll definitely see you at Works, and of course, I'll be at Rensport as well. So uh, sounds like a lot of fun. You guys are always shaking it up and having fun with Porsches for sure. Here's a very introspective question for you. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? I would probably say a, a Porsche 911. And the reason why, not not because I work for PCA, but just what the car stands for. I mean, I, I've always wanted a Porsche, and I think it represents me in the sense that, you know, I I'd like to think that I'm fun, I'm I'm ex- exciting uh, in some in some <laughs> manners, <laughs> but I'm also very practical in other other manners. And much like a 911, it actually you know it has two little jump seats in the back. That's you know not for someone that's six two, but if you had to squeeze some folks um, in the back, you can. But it's a car that you can you know hop in and go to work, go home, go to dinner. Go out to the movies early, take it to an autocross, and then the morning after that, take it to Virginia International Raceway and do a driver's ed, and then drive home Sunday night and repeat, you know, Monday morning. And it's uh, it's something that you can utilize every day for all facets and drive in all weather. I mean, it's you know, my Porsches, you can drive in the rain. I've driven my 996 in the snow. So it's an all-purpose tool, but it has sort of a little bit of an exotic flair. Absolutely. Kind of sums up me. <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. Perfect answer. That's why I love that question. So VU up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power, 
and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Okay, Boo, we're back and we're entering the last lap. You're a guy that likes to get out on the track. You know what this means. The white flag is out, and this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? I'm ready. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Join a car club. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) If you're interested in any kind of car, join the club that represents that car because you will have a resource available to you to make sure that you get the right car. Absolutely. And you'll meet some wonderful people. You'll make new friends. You'll find all sorts of ways to go out and enjoy your vehicle, and sometimes in ways that you never thought you would. So I I understand. I'm a member of many clubs. I've participated in many club events. They are fantastic. Could you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? Probably the one thing that I subscribe to and I think it's led to successful decisions is I don't look at it from just a personal decision or a personal gain. I always look at my decision as affecting others and is it something that I would be proud about sharing with others and saying, I I made this decision on your behalf and if I think that that person would come back to me and say, yes, I love that you did that or no, you really shouldn't do that, then I think that's you know, how I persuade myself to go a certain direction with um, with any sort of decision. Because if I think I can make the person that it's intended for happy or proud, I think that's, uh, that's how I operate. Absolutely. Perfect for the position you're in as well. Is there a resource that you'd like to share with the listeners you think they would really enjoy? Just the Internet. I mean, it sounds pretty funny to say the internet has everything or it's it's a resource. I mean, I think everybody knows that, but I, you know, for me, I'm not really a tech person, but I would say I'm a a power user in terms of searching for information. Again, I go back to, you know, working on the struts um, on the car, replacing it. I can't tell you how many times I went back to the, to the laptop and just tried to search different forums, see if I was, you know, forgetting some step or was there a special trick to making sure that I could pull the strut out from um, the strut housing and stuff like that. So, there, you know, someone has done what you're currently doing. And so if you take the time, instead of trying to, you know, bounce your forehead off the wall, <laughs> take a step back, see if someone else has done it, look for that information, you'll find that there's probably a special trick or a tip that's going to be able to get you through that um, that hurdle and, and get you through there, you know, unscathed. Oh, yeah. YouTube has saved me many times when I'm out in the garage trying to figure out how to do something or even around the house if it's fixing a dishwasher or anything like that. There's somebody who's done it, and you can check it out. And of course, there's always the PCA website, another great resource if you love Porsches, you want to find out what's going on. There's a lot of great things on that site as well. Is there a book that you'd like to share with our listeners that you think they would really enjoy? 
So a recent book that I, I, I really enjoyed um, that my wife actually purchased for me because she's always looking after me and wanting to make sure that I'm successful is uh, Make It Stick by Peter Brown. And as you read through it, it's just interesting to hear how certain marketing, certain stories that have made it through the web or through gossips and such. And, and the reason why I enjoyed it is I always look at you know experiences in PCA and how to make it stick for our members so that they will continue you know to to remain uh, members of the club and hopefully even share their passion of the club with others and make it stick for those people too yeah it's a great book i love that it's in my library as well and i believe if i remember it has a lot to do with um how you take ideas and and put them together in your head uh so that they become disciplines if you will in your life, um, it helps you become more productive learner, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it's a great book. And I remind our listeners, there's a an area on the Carja website called Guest Recommended Books. So this book will be there that Vu has recommended, along with all the other 300 guests now we've had on Carja. Uh, you can go there and check all those out, and you can find all these resources Vu shared with us on his show notes page at Carja.com/vuguin. Vu's last name is spelled N-G-U-Y. E-N. you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? Oh, my goodness. Do we have another two hours to speak? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll jump through this one real quick, but it's always an interesting way to uh, expose a little bit more of who you are to our listeners. Um, probably, aside from cars, uh, when people refer to me lately is probably photography. You know, I tend to always have an SLR in my hand when I'm going to PCA events. But interestingly enough, my lens is not so focused on the cars. I mean, of course, when, you know, I take a couple pictures of cars, but my lens is focused on the people. And uh, because there's tons of great photographers out there taking pictures of Porsches and settings and action shots, you know, and you know, motorsports photography and such. And But that's not what I'm chasing after. What I'm chasing after is those intimate moments when PCA members are at the track or if they're at a social and, you know, I can see that little twinkle in their eye and that smile that, you know, whatever they do during the week, they're not thinking about that. They're thinking about how they're having fun in our club with their Porsche, and I try to capture all those. And selfishly, I capture all those is because those are the pictures that I use on you know PCA's website or our Facebook page. So I've learned. Um, again, I have to give credit to my father. Growing up, he had me carry all of his camera gear, and you know, growing up, I said I would never be you know like this. I will just have an instant camera so that I don't make my son carry everything. But lo and behold. <laughs> Um, I'm actually probably a little bit worse than my dad now with probably two suitcases worth of cameras. I don't make my son carry it because I know how that how that feels. But I, I do have, uh, you know, I do have some fun with photography. Fantastic. I love it. Well, and maybe offline here we can talk about that. I share that passion. I love photography. And I've just been introduced to a new option in cameras, the new Sony A7R or the 6000. <laughs> that yeah, uh, maybe we yeah. need to talk a little bit about that can lighten things up, but the the camera is absolutely amazing. But that's for another day. Let's move on to the checkered flag here. And this last question can be a real doozy for a car guy like you, Vu. If you only could have one collector car in your garage, and you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with, so picking that Ferrari GTO so you can buy 20 more Porsches is not the option. But money's no object. I'll buy you whatever you'd like, even if it is that GTO. 
what would that vehicle be and why? Wow. I would probably have to say it would be a 73 Carrera RS. <laughs> of course. Tour, but touring model. Okay. Yep. Touring. Touring yep. model. Yeah. Just because it's a little bit on the softer side. And I think it's it's an all, all to me an all-purpose car. Probably a little bit edgier because it's more track-oriented or performance-oriented. But that's kind of my style because I you know I used to drive my 12-second Mustang you know as a daily driver. So that's you know that's not a hardship for me to have uh, to spend time behind the wheel of an RS no matter what environment. So I would say that that would be the car, and I wouldn't give it up even if I could sell it for a lot of money. Yeah, oh, one of my favorites too. It's the holy grail for early 911s for anyone who understands Porsche. The price of those cars, in fact, I just saw a post this morning, I believe it was on Car and Driver's feed to Facebook, that, you know, if we'd all known to buy one of those just 10 years ago, <laughs> uh, we could all yeah. have afforded one because now yeah. they've just become insanely unobtainium, if you will. It's really sad because... I've always wanted one. I had a chance years ago to buy one, but it, you know, with kids coming and college coming and all those things, it just wasn't in the stars. But now I look back and go, oh gosh, shoulda, coulda, woulda. But great choice. You've taken me on a great ride today, as I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed your stories. It's been great fun talking to you, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that '73 RS Carrera? Take every road, every path, enjoy it, and don't look back. Wonderful. I love it. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and the PCA? Simply go to www.pca.org. Pretty simple, folks. Listeners, you can find links to everything Vu shared with us today at carsyad.com on his show notes page. Just type Vu, V-U, in the search bar. His page will pop up. If you have any interest in Porsche cars, check out the website, check out the club. If you uh, want to go to some amazing events this year, Rensport, you'll never see that many Porsches in your life. It's absolutely incredible out there, Laguna Seca, uh, racetrack in the Monterey Peninsula. The Works Reunion is going to be fantastic in its second year, even bigger than it was last year. They're going to be all fantastic. Vu, thank you for being so generous with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. Take care. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!